Welcome to the Alaskan Journey podcast. My name is Jamin Gurker. I'm an associate real estate broker in South Central Alaska, and my mission is to help you to build an intentional and significant legacy for yourself and your family by coaching you in real estate. And today, you know, we're trying something a little bit different. Instead of having the the normal format we have where we bring on a guest and we talk or we give the audio from one of our more recent live streams, I am actually letting you host today's um, podcast episode by reading off the uh, questions and comments that I get on the YouTube channel. So these are just some ones that I've, um, a few that I picked out um, that I thought would probably be most applicable. And I also have just a list of the most frequently asked questions that I get from um, from people who are considering moving to Alaska. So we'll be getting to all of that in just a minute. But before we get started, um, let's go ahead and hear from today's sponsor. Nah, I'm just kidding. Let's just jump into it. Okay, so from the comment section, uh, one of the f- most recent questions I had is, what about for climate change? Will Alaska be a place to live in the future? You know, not a um, not a scientist, but I have actually heard a number of people say that Alaska really would benefit from global warming in a lot of ways, because if the climate became warmer up here, it would become a lot easier to, um, to have agriculture up here. It'd be easier for us to grow stuff. And that in conjunction with the uh, with having so much sunlight would actually projectively uh, make Alaska suddenly the new breadbasket for the U.S., which, you know, that would be a, a pretty big shift. So, you know, I'm sure there's a, there's a lot more nuance to it. Um, that's just kind of some caveman science there, but um, that is one thing that I've heard. So another question I had from Scooter, 1984. My wife and I have been considering moving to Alaska for about three years, and we think we're getting close. Been looking at jobs in Fairbanks. I know it's colder, but you know it gets less rain and snow. Um, <clears throat> huh? I do HVAC for a living. Any tips? I've watched most of your videos. Thanks for the info. Your stats on crime really changed my perspective. So the first thing I would say, um, I think you actually do get more snow up in Fairbanks. I, I could be wrong. I've never lived there personally. Every time I've gone there, I've I've been kind of impressed with the amount of snow that they have up there. Um, If you're looking at going to Fairbanks, you just have to understand that is kind of the extreme version of Alaska. Um, You're going to be stepping into an environment that's colder in the winter because over there it gets to about uh, negative 50, negative negative 70 degrees during the wintertime. Here in south central Alaska, the coldest I've seen it in recent years was like negative 20 for like a couple of days, which... Yeah, that's pretty chilly. Um, that's uh, that's getting to the point where um, you have like normal cold, and then you have like the cold where you step outside and like you you actually panic a little bit because you can kind of feel the cold and um, your lungs don't actually freeze, but they do dry out like almost instantly <laughs> when it's that cold. Um, so if you're working in HVAC, I can't imagine you would have any issue finding jobs. Um, so I mean that's that's good. Um, as far as um, any other tips I would give you, I would say plan on going there and staying in some kind of an Airbnb um, during the winter time, during the summertime, just to make sure that that's, um, that's an environment that you can really thrive in. Um, some people absolutely love it, but if that's not what you're signing up for, it, um, it can be a little extreme very quickly. Because like I said, it gets colder in the winter. It also gets hotter during the summer. Because I'm been told they'll actually get like 80, 90, sometimes 100 degrees over in Fairbanks during the summertime. And then you've got kind of the isolation a little bit. Um, so there's 
there's definitely some strong pros and there's definitely some strong cons. So just make sure you actually go stay in an Airbnb so you know what it actually feels like to live there instead of just getting the hotel experience. Um, but yeah, other than that, just uh, just understand you're not going to be able to know everything going into it. And that's that's part of the journey. So got another question from MKMC18. So would you recommend an Airbnb vacationing in the state? If you like it, rent first and then settle to a house. You know, it really depends on what specific what specific um, life events you have going on. Like if you're PCSing up here uh, with the military, like you know for dang sure you're coming up here and you know how long you're going to be here. So kind of jumping into a house or, you know, if that's not what you're wanting to do, then just renting and accepting that, um, you know, you're, um, you're not going to be paying for, you're not going to be paying the, the down payment and all that up front. And you're not going to be buying a house and jumping into the housing market. You're just going to be renting, but you're also not going to complain at the end of three years when your buddy's selling their house and they've got a ton of equity. Um, as far as everyone else, though, where you're not really sure what timeline you're going to have, like you're just kind of trying it out, um, airbnb and kind of getting a sense for the area and then renting isn't a bad option. Um, I would say, though, if you are uh, renting something out, it just comes down to what's your motivation for doing the rental at first. If you're just not really sure of the area and you're just wanting to get more familiar with it before you kind of put roots down and buy something, um, that's perfectly fine. Unfortunately, I've found a number of people where their prime motivation is they think they are just going to wait for the wait for the housing market to you know crash. Um, you guys can't see my air quotes, but um, yeah, they're just trying to wait for the housing market to crash so they can swoop in and get some kind of a deal. And I am just not seeing that anytime in the near future. The inventory is so compressed because the interest rates are high. And everyone refinanced their homes a couple years ago. And so there's no way most sellers are even considering selling right now just because their interest rates are so good. And why would you sell like a two and a half, three and a half percent interest rate to go find a property for like seven, seven and a half percent? So realistically, you know, that's really just the, the historic average. We just got spoiled in recent years and thinking that two and a half, three percent interest rate was normal. It is not. Um, but it's all about perception as far as that goes. So to answer your question, um, I would say renting at first is not a bad option if you're just not real familiar with the area and you just want to make sure like this is what you want to do because once you put down the down payment and everything, it's a little more difficult to, um, to leave the state if you find out within like a year or two years that it's just not for you. If you know for sure how long you're going to be here, then I think buying probably would be um, probably would be a pretty prudent answer. Again, it kind of depends on everyone's finances, but um, yeah, that's certainly a good way to go about doing it. If you really have no prior experience in the market and you're trying to get familiar with it, and not necessarily that you're trying to outsmart the market, uh, outs outsmart the real estate market, because like I said, every time I've seen someone try to do that, it usually comes back and bites them. Um, I saw people who tried to do that strategy back in, I think it was 2020, if I recall correctly, and they thought they were going to wait for prices to come down, all the competition to magically go away. And uh, the competition has kind of subsided a little bit, but house prices have gone up by about 100 or 130,000 in this area. 
over that same time period. So that's why I tell people, hey, if you think you're going to buy, like, unless it's that you're trying to get familiar with the area, there's really no, you're not going to outsmart the market. <laughs> so control the things that you can control and go from there. Okay. I'm going to go off my soapbox there. Question from Jeremy David 2000. <laughs> How much? Okay, so I think he's talking about one of my uh, uh, more recent videos. How much weed did you smoke before making this video? Um, so here's what you guys got to know. When I'm making these videos, usually I will sit down and I will shoot about three months of videos all at one go. So at the end of that, you know, we're talking about six, seven, sometimes eight hours straight of just shooting content and videos, like video after video after video. Um, you can kind of get a little punch drunk at the end. So if, if I uh, start looking a little high near the end of the videos, uh, in some videos, that's that's why. And now you've got a behind the scene perspective. So Aubrey C, 1646, can we get a video about purchasing land? Um, can you buy it with the intentions on moving there much later, um, lots of neighborhoods, etc.? You know, I've kind of thought about doing more videos about pur purchasing land. Uh, one of the reasons that um, I haven't just yet is that there's really just not much to it, really. Um, beyond just kind of checking the, the due diligence and making sure you're looking at like EPA maps and flood zones and all that stuff to make sure that you're uh, not buying something that's going to get swept away if the river floods and, um, you know, making sure you're not in an avalanche area. But other than that, there's, there's not a whole lot to it. Um, so that's one of the reasons I haven't, haven't really produced a whole lot of content in that area. I have... You know, I've started to work with more and more people that are purchasing just raw land. And yes, you absolutely can buy it and then just move up here later. Like you don't have anything to maintain on the land. Um, so if you're all right, just paying a little bit of property tax every year on that, then that should be fine. If you're trying to find something that doesn't have property tax that's way out in the boonies, then, you know, I, uh, I may or may not be able to help very much with that because usually you're going to have to have um, access to get back there. So um, so unless you're going to pay for my uh, my plane plane uh, plane flight to get there, then uh, that could be a bit of a struggle. And um, as far as the due diligence, because um, I've worked with some people before that have just bought sight unseen, like didn't actually see the land. Um, but it is pretty nerve wracking, and I always would recommend, like even if you can't personally make it, like just have me go up there and do some kind of a video walkthrough of it just to make sure you have some idea of what it is you're signing up for. All right. Uh, Robert Pyle, uh, 9347, says, I live and work on the Kenai Peninsula in the restaurant industry. Okay, real quick. So this is a video I did recently about COVID-19 and uh, kind of talking about if it uh, came back, how it would impact Alaska. Okay, so he says, I live and work on the Kenai Peninsula in the restaurant industry. On the note of seasonal labor, there is a huge fluctuation which, with each season change. Many international workers come during the summer. Uh, restrictions crippled the industry already, and we're just now recovering. And this is October of 2023. Another round would have profound effects. So this, um, I'm glad that Robert reached out and kind of gave his perspective here. Um, this is something that I um, I don't think a whole lot of people really appreciate. A lot of Alaska's economy is tied up in three things. So it's either going to be oil, it's going to be the, the fish and game, and it's going to be tourism. And once you start messing with the legs of 
kind of that stool that's holding up our economy, like everything starts getting shaky and there's a there's a trickle down effect. If you have a lot of people that work in the restaurant industry and they're renting from you and something happens in the tourism industry and suddenly they leave and suddenly landlords are um, are really struggling to to make mortgage payments and which in turn means that they can't hire other people to come over and maintain the properties and which in turn means that other people can't afford as much at the grocery store. So there's really this trickle-down effect that you get with the overall economy once you start messing with one of the, the legs of the stool here. If COVID were to come back, which, you know, Hopefully not, but if it were, um, that would have some pretty, like you said, some pretty profound impacts on the tourism industry. There's, um, it's kind of difficult to, to find enough people to service a lot of tourists that show up just on a seasonal basis, um, because usually these small towns are just that, they're small towns. And um, people may or may not want to be working kind of these entry level jobs to, to serve um, tourism when it comes in. So if it came back in these small towns, I I don't know what would happen exactly, but it uh, probably wouldn't wouldn't be um, wouldn't be great. All right, so let's go ahead and get to some general frequently asked questions that I get from people when they reach out to me. So number one, what's Alaska like in general? So this really is kind of an outdoors paradise. Um, it um, outdoorsmen or outdoors woman's paradise. It's um, it's um, a lot more green than what you would believe just with popular misconception. You would think just with everything that you see online that it would just be this frozen icebox and uh, there wouldn't really be a whole lot for you to do other than like snowshoeing, ice fishing, skiing, stuff like that. But uh, we get like a solid four or five months out of the year where, you know, you can go hiking, hunting, paragliding, you can actually do surfing in some places, and you get sunlight pretty much 24-7 around like the June-July time period, so your opportunity to go out and do stuff and uh, not have to worry about uh, the darkness setting in is uh, is pretty real. So you can get a lot of good time in during the, the summer, um, and so for that reason, yeah, it's an absolute outdoors um, outdoorsman's paradise. One thing that I would say is that there's definitely going to be some some strong pros and some strong cons. So the pro column, obviously, there's going to be a smaller population up here. Um, I say that there are some people who still think Alaska is overpopulated. It's like, are you kidding me? There's less people like in a suburb of like a New York or a Miami than there are in the entire state of of Alaska. And it is absolutely geographically enormous. So I don't know what their deal is. But um, it's a it's a pretty small population, so usually you're not going to be too crowded, and um, you know usually the air quality is going to be like really second to none. You're going to have nature all the way around. You're going to have really just an entirely different lifestyle than what you're going to find in most other places on the lower 48. On the con side, though, um, the winters are going to be pretty rough. You know you're going to be um, not only cold, but also it's the darkness that gets to a lot of people. And unfortunately, you just don't know exactly how you're going to respond to the winters till you get up here. And you can do a lot of stuff to, to kind of help with that. You can take vitamin D supplements. You can um, really take, um, um, you can really sit under like, they call them like sad lights. I can't remember what it stands for, but really it's designed to kind of stimulate sunlight. 
and trying to get some vitamin D back in your system because that uh, um, that does start to, to wear on you. Um, some people will take a lot of um, vacations during the, the February, January timeframe. So they go to like Hawaii or Florida, places like that uh, to kind of get out of the cold for a little bit. Another thing that a lot of people do is they will they will actually um, uh, make sure that they really push in the community and make sure that they don't self-isolate. Because once you start doing that, like it is um, a pretty tight, pretty quick spiral to the ground once you find yourself kind of self-isolating. And that's going to be one of the big cons there. Another one is that there's not going to be as many career opportunities up here as what you would find in the lower 48 if you work. And we'll talk about more about this in another um, other question here. But if you have like a hard skill, like, um, like you're a contractor, handyman, something like that, then your uh, opportunities for jobs up here, there's going to be a lot of it because it's a developing state. If you're anything in the medical field, you're also going to have some great opportunities there as well. Um, beyond that, like you're not going to have a whole lot of like white collar, middle management kind of jobs. And it's kind of a sad reality, but that's why we have a lot of um, a lot of younger folks. They'll come up, they'll graduate from high school, glad they were here. And then as soon as they graduate, they uh, they go to college somewhere else and they end up going and working in some other state just because the opportunities are better elsewhere. So that's going to be another one of the big cons. Um, so question number two, is it safe with the crime? So what I always tell people, I can't tell you good area, bad area. So that's, you know, that's not what I can legally do because of restrictions with fair housing. I'm always going to tell you, go check out the crime maps and um, kind of verify and um, make sure you're comfortable with the kind of crimes that's going on in a specific area. Every area is going to have crime. You just have to make sure that um, whatever crime is going on in the area kind of fits the flavor that you're into. Maybe you're more into burglaries. Maybe, you know, maybe some, some drive-bys is really what you're into. You just have to make sure that whatever crime is happening in the area is um, kind of matches what you're, what you're going to be comfortable with. Additionally, with this exercise, Check the crime map for where you're considering moving and check the crime map for where you currently live because I want you to be able to get a good comparison between the two and that's that's going to give you more clarity than if you're just looking at the crime map up here because most people would look at that and they're like, you know, oh my gosh, they had you know four car break-ins. That's absolutely terrible. Who could live there? And then they look at where they live and they're like, oh my word, there's five burglaries three blocks away from where I live. Why am I living here? So it gives you kind of a good context for um, for these crime maps. All right, number three, what are winters like? We kind of talked about this already. It is dark. It is cold. Um, the coldest it's gotten recently is around negative 20 degrees, and that's uh, that does get pretty chilly. Um, you know, I still ran quite a bit during last winter and like that's so cold you step outside your lungs dry out immediately and you can feel like the outer um, like raincoat shell that you're wearing like start to, to stiffen like almost instantly <laughs> so that's um, yeah that's pretty cold and uh, you actually start getting a little bit of a panic set in when you're when it's that cold and you're running because if you slip out there, you fall, like something happens, like that's uh, that's bad news if you're unconscious and it's it's that cold, you've got gear on, yeah, but it's it's not going to it's not going to stave off the cold forever. 
Um, so yeah, um, dark, cold, you need to make sure you push into community, make sure you find hobbies that you can go and do, schedule some some out-of-state breaks that you can do to kind of get away from it and break it up because there's a, a big, long time period from Christmas where you're looking forward to something um, to springtime because it goes from like December to like May. So you have to have something else in that five-month period where you can look forward to it because during the winter leading up to Christmas, you got that. Um, but it really does start to wear on you after that. How much snow do we get? Um, you know, I don't have the stats right here in front of me. This past winter time in South Central Alaska, it just dumped snow like you would not believe. I think we had like, uh, I think it was like three, three and a half feet where the snow like dropped within a couple of days. And uh, that's a lot uh, for us. And um yeah, that happened to be the like the the snow dump where my snow blower just stopped working and I couldn't get it fired back up again during the entire winter. So I had to do the entire driveway and the entire house with um, uh, with just a snow shovel. But that's aside. Um, if you can look up the stats, it's probably going to be your best resource. Uh, we've been getting a lot of rain this past summertime, and we've been getting. Um, Really, for the past couple of years now, we've been getting a lot of rain and a lot of snow. I'm not expecting this year to be any different because, yeah, it's been one of the rainiest seasons. So I'm anticipating we're probably going to be getting a lot of snow this season because it just needs to be a little bit colder and that snow turns to, um, I'm sorry, that rain turns to snow. All right, how cold does it get? Like I said, negative 20, that's the coldest I've seen it in recent years. Uh, keep in mind, I'm in kind of the, the north part of Wasilla in the, the shadow of the mountains, so it probably gets a little colder out here than it does in other places. Um, kind of geographically, it, uh, like I said, it also depends on um, where you are specifically in relation to the geographical features. In other words, if you're in the shadow of a mountain, yeah, it's going to get cold. If you're really down near a river, um, kind of in some low ground, then yeah, that's going to be extra cold. So you kind of have to go into that just uh, just expecting that depending on the house that you're looking at. Do you need snow tires? Not necessarily. So I've lived in Alaska collectively for about a decade at this point. Um, I haven't, I think I used some maybe like the first couple of years, but um, since then I've just had like all season tires and um, just haven't bothered getting any kind of snud, uh, studs on the tires and that's that's worked pretty good for me and um, keep in mind I did drive I think it was a Honda Honda Civic Hybrid for like the first like three or four years um, that I um, that I drove around when I first got up here so it's I've not really had to um, had all-wheel drive four-wheel drive anything like that uh, until like very very recently now I drive a Prius so you don't need like a big like a big four-wheel drive truck in order to get around. Um, so if you're trying to use the snow as a justification for blowing the budget and going and getting this uh, this really large souped-up car, um, you can do that, but it's just not going to be a good justification. You know, you can get around just fine. You just have to make sure you kind of pick your fights a little bit carefully when you're uh, driving around during the wintertime. If you have uh, a big big long hill and I have no way no speed that I can get up to as I'm approaching it I'm probably just going to find another route so you have to be a little bit more intentional in Alaska with uh, when you're driving with kind of the smaller vehicles but 
yeah, I haven't really had much of an issue as far as that goes. What are the summers like? Well, the summers are, uh, they're going to be bright. They're usually going to be pretty sunny. And um, like when I say pretty sunny, I mean it only gets like kind of hazy, dusky in south central Alaska around like 2 or 3 a.m., like when we're close to summer solstice in June, which that's, you know, that's great if you want to get outside and go do a bunch of stuff. That can start to, to kind of mess with your internal clock, though, because for some people, like their body just just will not shut down regardless how many blackout blinds that you put out there and how dark you can get the bedroom you're trying to sleep in. Um, your body just knows that it's bright outside and it's not going to let you fully go to sleep. So for some people, um, sleep deprivation can start becoming an issue in the summertime, just depending on um, on that specific person. So the best thing I can say there, um, just if you find yourself being one of those people, like just absolutely wear yourself out. Like go for like a long run, lift an insane amount of weights, go swimming, you know, whatever it is, physically just wear your body out so it has absolutely no choice but to go to sleep. And once you kind of do that hard reset, it becomes a little easier to, uh, to kind of fall into that that pattern at that point because around summer solstice, it's only going to start getting darker every day after that. And usually it's only a matter of like seconds. And uh, once you get closer to the winter time, like you start losing like five minutes a day. So it does speed up uh, the rate at which you're you're losing daylight, but once you're at summer solstice, that's that's usually going to be the worst of it, <clears throat> um, if you can define it as being the worst. Um, you're going to have a ton of green stuff all over the place. Like I said, it's kind of a myth that Alaska is a um, giant icebox. You're going to have wildlife all over the place. Um, if you're going out and hiking and stuff like that, you do kind of need to, to be careful. I make lots of noise, especially if you're by yourself. Like I just recently I went and hiked up the, the Harding Ice Fields over in Seward. That was absolutely beautiful. I was making lots of noise. You know, I had my bear spray and everything with me. I, you know, hiked by myself fairly often and, um, you know, got up there. looked great. I was heading down. And as I was coming down, there was a, um, a spot where I kind of lost track of where the trail was. And I was like, okay, no big deal. I'm just going to start angling in this direction. And I see a couple blueberries like in the kind of the tundra on the side of the mountain on the way down. So I was like, oh, cool. So I stopped, picked some of those, kept, you know, picking my way down and I can see the trail. So I'm making my way towards that. And I can see four hikers at the bottom kind of clustered and um, they're like looking right up at me. And I'm like, man, what's uh what's the show here? You know, yeah, I, yeah, I know I, I lost the trail. Like it's not that big of a deal guys. Like what's, what's all the attention here, but I get down there and uh, one of them is like, Hey, uh, did you see the bear up there? And I, <laughs> I was like, uh, you know, I kind of laughed at first and uh, they saw they weren't kidding. And I was like, wait, are you, there was a bear up there? It was like, yeah, it was like, next to you. I was like, well, how close? <laughs> it's like, well, we thought you were getting a selfie with it. And I was like, holy cows. So yeah, make noise, be aware of your surroundings. Um, and uh, yeah, I just uh, to try to make sure that if there's a bear right next to you on a ridge that uh, you have an idea for where, um, idea for your, uh, your surroundings, because uh, that's not a great place to be in. Um, luckily, uh, luckily that bear was uh, in a good mood that day, I guess. All right, summers are awesome. Um, it is 
the reason Alaskans are here for the most part. Very rarely do you find someone in Alaska who's here because they love the winter. Usually it's because they love the summer. All right, what job opportunities are there? Um, kind of mentioned this before, but if you have some kind of a hard skill, like you're a mechanic, you're a contractor, handyman, electrician, really anything in the trades, like you're you're going to be pretty well set up here. If you have anything in the medical field, like you're going to do pretty well also. Um, but it, if that's not your skill set, you know, just know there might be some limitations on the, the opportunities that are available. You know, you're probably not going to have like a like a really large uh, middle management kind of um, kind of opportunities that are there. We're going to have like a lot of entry level positions in like top like one percent CEO positions, and that's that's kind of it. You can find stuff in the middle. Um, that's uh, it's just going to be a little bit more difficult to find. Uh, the career opportunities are are going to be a little challenging at first. Um, if you're just looking at moving up here, one thing you might consider doing, and this is what I did at first, is to actually find a number of part-time jobs you can kind of cobble together and turn into like enough income to where you know you can make ends meet. Because um, that's what I did at first. I think it was like two or three uh, part-time jobs, and that's that's just what I had to do for like the first six months to a year. Why do people live in South Central Alaska? So South Central Alaska specifically, there's going to be some strong pros. There's also going to be some cons depending on how you look at it. Um, but number one, the weather is going to be more um, uh, more mild compared to places like Fairbanks. Like I said, there's a big difference in the temperatures. Um, the winds are usually going to be whipping through some places. Um, like in the Matsu Valley at certain times of the year, but usually it's it's going to be fairly mild as far as the, the temperature goes. We're not going to have as, as many of extremes. You're also going to have more opportunities for like careers and jobs and like uh, health care, amenities, all that stuff here in South Central Alaska. And I'm not talking about, you know, the, uh, the latest you know, place where you can go buy Gucci bags or anything like that. I'm just talking like, you know, Walmart, Fred Meyers, uh, Best Buy, stuff like that. So you're going to have more opportunities for stuff like that in South Central Alaska because this is where most of the population lives. Therefore, this is where most of the business is going to be. So if just getting your foot in the door is what you're wanting to do, then South Central is going to be a good place for it. That, you just have more road access. Um, it's easier getting in and out of here just with uh, Ted Stevens Airport being right here in the area. And, um, yeah, the just with it not being as remote, if you need to have work done on, like, a, your property then or you're trying to build, is just far easier to get stuff actually done in South Central Alaska than it's going to be anywhere else. If you're buying a, buying a property way out in the middle of nowhere, and you're wanting to build your um, you know build your uh, your classic off grid property, that's all fine and good. Just know it is going to be a bear getting things in and out of that area. So just uh, just kind of be ready for that. Is it or why is it so expensive to live in Alaska? You know. You know, kind of what I was talking about just a second ago. Um, it is a lot of work getting stuff in and out, just depending on where you're at. Even if you're in South Central Alaska, Alaska is still a long ways away from the continental United States. And that's, uh, that's you know, the geographically, that just is what it is. Our transportation line is just going to be so much further getting stuff here than what is going to be in most other parts of the continental United States. 
And so things are going to be more expensive for that reason. Um, also, if you're looking at like produce and you know stuff in the store, anything that's perishable as far as food goes, just know that its, it's shelf life is going to be way sh smaller up here than what it would be somewhere else because a lot of that shelf life got eaten up in the weeks it took for that, uh, that produce even to get here to begin with. So that's one of the reasons. Um, another reason is just the the uh, the environment kind of demands it in a way you know if it's so cold you're going to spend more money on utilities you're going to be spending some more money on uh, on clothing and stuff like that so it can be pretty expensive um, as far as that goes especially if you have a family best thing I can say as far as that goes is really kind of prioritize what's uh, what's important to you and your family and um, anything that's not like bare bare essential like it's a luxury and it's tentatively on the chopping block. So if coming up here is really what you want to do, then that's that's really the going to be kind of the, the budgeting approach that you have to take. And then after you've gotten to that point, you've established yourself, then you can start you know adding more kind of of these luxury things in there uh, back into the budget. But, you know, if uh, making ends meet is the important thing, then, yeah, number one is cutting anything out that's not housing, food, or utilities, or transportation as well. All right, should I take the Alcan or the ferry system? So I get this question fairly often, the difference between the Alcan, uh, the um, Alaska Canadian Highway, and the ferry system up here is going to be a matter of, um, well, it's kind of a budgeting difference, so it is going to be more expensive to take the ferry system. Um, it is going to be a uh, usually a lot more relaxing. You just drive your car or your trailer onto the ferry system and you just chill out for three days and, you know, kind of watch the, the scenery slowly go by. It's um, it's also, it's really relaxing because, like, you don't really get access to Wi-Fi or uh, really the outside world. So you kind of just get pull up a, pull up a book, go to the observation deck, and just kind of think about you know, I guess life and the the new transition as you see the scenery go by. So it's it's pretty relaxing for that reason, but it is expensive though. Um, I can't, it's all going to depend on how long your your rig is and less so to do with your square uh, with how heavy uh, your your trailer is that you're bringing. But <clears throat> you are um, you're probably going to be spending like ten grand or something like that, just depending on how long your your rig is. Now if you're driving the Alcan. You know, you can do that. That's all fine and good. It's going to be way cheaper. Um, you're also going to be working quite a bit harder, and you're going to be going through Canada, which means you're going to have to go through the Canadian border. And for people with um, sometimes, uh, let's see, short-nosed dogs, sometimes they can really struggle to get through there. Firearms, um, I really don't bother with it. Some people have no issue at all with uh, getting through the Canadian border, and some people, like, struggle. So I'm I think it really depends on kind of what mood they're in at the day. So, yeah, if you've got all the time in the world, the Alcan system is really good. If uh, you're trying to save money, Alcan system is really good. If you got the money and you're just wanting to kind of ease into being up here, then, you know, definitely give the ferry system a look. Now, as of the recording of this podcast in October 2023, um, there are no ferry vessels that are going up to... Uh, like the Whittier or the Valdez, which are going to be the places where you kind of drop off and you know drive to wherever it is that you're going in Alaska. 
right now the ferry system will only go to like southeast Alaska, which you can't drive to can't drive to Alaska without going through Canada by going on that route. So if you're trying to avoid Canada, then um, yeah, you're kind of up a creek without a paddle right at the moment. Um, it, the ferry system, or sorry, the uh, Kantishna, no wait, mm, can't remember the name of it. I think it's the Kantishna, if I recall correctly, though. Um, that vessel is going to come back online from some some repairs that they're doing around the November time frame, and then they have to find a crew, so it's kind of tentative and when it'll come back. The Matanuska, which is the second vessel, they can make that voyage. It's um, you know, it might be out of our fleet entirely. They're still trying to decide what it is they want to do with it. All right. And last but not least, should we rent or buy it first? We already kind of talked about this, like I said, but I'm just going to reiterate. If you're wanting to buy, um, you know, I recommend kind of taking the opportunity, if you can, to come up here and kind of stay in an Airbnb just to kind of get a feel for the area. If you can't, but you know for sure that you're going to be up here for three, four years, like for sure, then it's um, you know it's definitely a good idea to, to purchase because we're not expecting to see any kind of a drop in home prices anytime soon. And you know if you decide to come back to it in a year in purchase, it's it's going to be more expensive at that time. One thing to keep in mind though, um, <clears throat> it is not a bad idea to rent if you're wanting to come up here and just get more familiar with the area. If that's your intention, like. I'm all for it. Nothing wrong with that. Um, it's definitely a bad idea, though, if you're wanting to come up here and rent and just wait for the market co to collapse because um, that's not likely to happen anytime soon. And when you do decide to get off the fence, then you're going to be paying a much higher price then than you would right now. And this has been borne out with the data that we've seen in recent years. And, um, you know, that just kind of um, is just kind of real estate trends that I'm really seeing across the entire country for the most part with the exceptions of um, um, very few select markets that had like their own specific um, internal reasons for why that's happening. But anyway, um, this has been kind of your podcast today. You know, thank you very much for uh, for listening. If you, you know, liked this, uh, this format, uh, specifically kind of reading comments off from the, the comment section on the YouTube videos, you know, make sure you give this video a like, comment, um, if you have any questions about about Alaska in general or would like to chat about potentially making that move happen and you're looking at some property up here, feel free to contact me on my website. Link for that should be in the, the show notes here. If you want a copy of my relocation guide, you know, go ahead and just register to the website and put relocation guide in the comment section so I know what to send you. And also, um, if you've recently moved up here to Alaska, I do host a, a monthly meetup group for those who have recently moved up here. So if you're looking for a sense of community and being able to, to just meet people, because I know that's always a, a struggle for people socially when they just move into an area. Um, it's a lot more difficult to, to make friends when you're, um, when you're no longer in college. Um, so we want to make sure that we provide that opportunity for you so you can you know, get plugged into that community. So we went ahead and did that. Um, we have a meetup group and the link to the Facebook, uh, the private Facebook group is going to be in the show notes here. So that's something you would benefit from. Do make sure you go ahead and jump into that so we can um, start updating you on all the, the events that are coming up. Other than that, thanks for listening and we'll catch you next time.